I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Online podcast. Good morning, day, afternoon, or evening. Welcome to the Online Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Alexander. And today, I got to chat with somebody that I have a ton of respect for, Mr. Erwin Lecour. If you haven't heard of him, you should. He's all over the place in men's health and outside. And he has workshops all over. It's awesome. Uh, We had a great chat. We talked about the importance of natural movement and what the heck does that mean? So we really broke down how to start a natural movement practice for yourself. Uh, We got into how to stay looking young for a long, long time. We got into the importance of moving outside natural environments and how that impacts you versus the gymnasium. If you don't have an interaction with a natural environment in the first place, then you're not really doing a natural movement or practicing natural movement. You need to surround yourself with people who are on the same path as much as possible. Super fun conversation. Y'all gonna love it, I think. And uh, be sure to subscribe, share, and please leave comments on iTunes and or Stitcher. Very, very helpful. Um, Check out the website, aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you will find the blog. You'll find hundreds of free videos on functional movement, self-care practices, and more than that, too. Um, Online courses, online coaching, uh, self-care kit, help your body move well forever Never. And that's about what we got. Oh, yeah, the one thing. Sorry about this. In this conversation, I had hooked up a new mic and I apparently had not synced it up properly with my computer. So the sound is a little bit embarrassing. I apologize for that. But once again, the quality of the episode is fantastic. Love the conversation. So here we go. Back to the show with Mr. Erwin LaCour. Align Podcast. So. Erwin LaCour, thank you so much for coming on. I've been looking forward to chatting with you because I try my darndest to be as much of a natural mover as possible. When I see people moving at gyms and we're moving very linearly and we're getting kind of almost like we're imprisoning ourselves in these linear boxes of these movements that we learn. You know, and so something that I've noticed with you is your whole thing is getting outside of that box. I'm curious, did you start off as a, you know, we're all natural movers, hopefully, but did you start off pursuing that forever or did you come from more of a linear background or what's your background? How'd you come to your perspectives today? My background is no different than yours or anybody else. We're all humans. We all belong to the same species and um, we're all supposed to to move that way universally. Um, and it's a potential that, that, that belongs to all of us. Um, this being said, some people grow up in cities, they grow up, you know, um, not moving too much and <clears throat> moving right away um, in, in ways that are socially, you know, normal or acceptable. Uh, my background is that I started off right away uh, being encouraged to move naturally, being encouraged to be in nature, to go in the woods. My dad early on would, would come with me and have me, you know, would climb trees with me, would have me climb higher than I would do on my own as a little kid. 
jump farther than I, than I would do on my own as a little kid. Uh, so yeah, he he showed me a great example, and and, and I never really uh, stopped. Uh, and I did at some point um, uh, practice some some specialized sports or disciplines, and and that was great. And it all brought some some experience uh, to uh, to my overall background. Uh, but yeah, I, I never really stopped valuing the you know how these natural movements, this natural movement practice makes you feel, and uh, um, and also the practical value of it. Right. So, so then, then it comes down to the argument, I guess, of people. It's like kind of looking like chemicals in your toothpaste or whatever. It's like it, everything comes from the earth. Everything is technically natural. You know. So at what point do we break and say like, well, this is more natural than that? You know. And then the, another thing I'm curious with is like specializing in sports. Do you think that that's a healthy thing to be doing? Well. Is it a healthy thing to, to specialize in sports? Yeah. It really, there's no answer to that. There's no one-size-fits-all answer to that. Who are you? Um, what is the sport? How do you practice it? How does it make you feel? Uh, does it keep you healthy or does it, does it even make you healthy or healthier than you were before uh, uh, starting that sport? Special sports are not intrinsically a bad um, I think it really depends on every 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 particular case. Um, so really, what kind of sports are we talking about? How is it practiced? By what individual? For how long? With what man mindset? And what what results physically or mentally or even spiritually? Then we have an answer that is healthy. That sport is healthy in a given person. Right. Um, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think with sports, it's really important. To dabble, <laughs> you know. If, I mean, this is obviously a biased opinion because that's kind of what I like to do a lot. I, once I get decent at something, I'll kind of try and pick something else up. And I think that that true athleticism, in my opinion, you know, is being a, is adaptability. You know, is being able to adapt yourself to a multitude of environments. You know, so if you're able to pick up a new skill well. I feel like that means that you are you are a natural mover, you know, as opposed to solely being an, an isolated specialist. Does that make sense to you at all? Well, well yeah, that is uh, that, that is the foundation of my philosophy uh, that I started to introduce uh, back in two thousand. 2007, 2008, and, uh, and then 2009, and when I moved to the U.S., and back then when I said natural movement, people would, you know, open big eyes and be like, what is that? Is that some form of, are you talking about yoga or tai chi or something like that? So, uh, uh, nobody back then in the fitness industry uh, ever used that term, natural movement, right? Right. So I had to explain all over, you know, I would say move now, it's natural movement, but then I would have to explain natural movement all the time. So I had to really delineate, you know, principles uh, to really have people understand what, what, what that thing really is. And now today it's a, it's a really a trend that starts to, uh, you know, to, to pick up momentum. Yeah. But uh, yeah, as, as for... <clears throat> Making sense that we're looking at movement that is adaptable. Yeah, well, what, the question is what makes movement natural? 
Right. Exactly. And uh, and we're not we're not trying to argue you on the not naturalness or such or such movement pattern. Right? Is a is a squat a natural uh, movement? Is a biceps curl natural movement? Uh, that that is not the question. The question is, um, what is your overall movement practice, and how does it relate? How does it resemble to how a human animal would move in nature? And the closer to that you are, the more natural your practice. And that's what I, I've defined as natural movement. Human beings are able to walk and crawl and run and jump and balance and climb uh, and, um, and swim and lift and carry and throw and heavy, uh, throw and catch things and, and do a number of defensive or combative movements. These are skills, or at least natural movement abilities, that belong to all human beings. The same way flying belong to, you know, all birds ex except maybe penguins and, and, and ostriches, right? right? So uh, that is, uh, you know, all these movement abilities and all the different movement patterns that belong to these specific abilities, for instance, jumping, is natural in humans, but there's not one form of jumping. There are plenty of forms of jumpings. Uh, and so it is the, the general practice of all these different abilities or skills and then the different particular patterns within those abilities that make it what I call a natural movement practice. So. If you just do running, yeah, running is natural. It's a natural ability. But if you just do that, then you are doing more specialized sports, which is running, than actual natural movement practice. If you only lift heavy things but never carry them, never throw them, never catch them, and it's always the same object and not a variety of objects of different shapes and weights and, or even uh, you know, carrying them on different environments, then you are more in a specialized sports, which could be either uh, that could be bodybuilding, that could be uh, uh, weightlifting. I mean, uh, strong uh, strongman lifting, arm, uh, all these kind of things. You know, uh, Olympic weightlifting. So here's the thing: we modern humans have turned every single natural movement skill into a specialized sport, whereas originally we were generalist. Because not only the environment, the, diff the different situations we could encounter in these varied environments pushed us to move in all these different ways. So it was a necessity, not a luxury, not an option, not something we do to score points and, and, and win a middle. It was a vital necessity. So that's why I, I define natural movement as being ruled by a number of principles. Um, you know, not only it's universal, it's instinctive, at least to some extent. But very importantly, it's practical and to the point it's potentially vital in, in some context. And then it's also adaptable to these contexts. So context is made of, it's made of situation and environment. You combine both, you have a context. And that context, you need to adapt to. You need to adapt your movement to. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's what natural movement is. Now, if for somebody natural movement means, well, natural movement is whatever I want it to be, or to me natural movement is yoga, or tai chi, or dance, or 
Well, good, good for you. That's your own version of it. But um, to me, and I'll, I'll wrap that up uh, on that conclusion. If you don't have an interaction with a natural environment in the first place, uh, an interaction that is adaptable, then you're not really doing a natural movement or practicing natural movement. You're not really moving naturally. So an analogy that I use oftentimes with this is thinking of your body like a musical instrument. You know, so it's like oftentimes, you know, you hear somebody play the guitar, you know, you're like, wow, you're like a natural, like it's coming from your soul. You're expressing your, your, your soul with this sound, you know, and, and being able to tap into that, that took that person years and years and hours and, you know, bloody fingertips in order to get to that point where they can get a genuine expression of themselves of their deeper, you know, their deeper feelings. And our movement is a musical expression the same way you know it's like every sound is movement you know everything is movement you know but what often happens myself included you hear me play I can play a couple songs on the guitar you're like oh wow you're a great guitarist nope <laughs> I'm a specialist you know I figured out a couple of these songs and I'm working on expanding my boundaries with it actively and it's and it's starting to happen it's great you know but to be able to get to that point where you can just genuinely express whatever it is that you feel inside with your movement. You know, if you want to jump over that fence, if you want to dance with that girl, if you want to anything, I think that's when we're starting to hit at that really truly animalistic, functional, natural movement center. Um, something I'm curious with you is I've heard you mention, you know, with objective-based fitness is what I call it. It's we're delaying our reward, you know, and that's a real issue, I think, where it's like you're investing your time in the gym and it's like you're sweating it out, but you're not, you're not rewarding yourself at the moment of, whereas when you are trying to balance or trying to, you know, achieve this challenge, whatever it may be, you're able, it's, it's fun, you know, so figure out how do we make every movement that we do actually fun? How do we practice the guitar and enjoy ourselves with it? Do you have anything to say about that? Well, that's what I call, um, that's when I expect instant gratification. Right. Um, there is that, that mentality in the fitness world that you can't, you cannot expect instant gratification, right? Because there's always a, a whole program, multi-week program, and then hopefully, you know, if you commit, then you'll get, start to get some results. Uh, results being usually very superficial. It's about you know how you look, so you're gonna get a, li a little leaner, maybe build a bit more muscles and that kind of thing. But until you reach that, you're not supposed to be happy. You're gonna keep being frustrated and unhappy with with your with yourself, with your own body, and also with your own practice as you train these sets and reps. You're still not happy. And I'm telling people, you have to be happy right away. Yeah. Delay that that reward because. Here's the thing, if you are happy right now, if you're happy and or satisfied as you do what you do, then you're much likely to stick to it right. because you enjoy right. it. Right. Uh, but if it's a punishment, if it's a chore, if it's a, a somewhat a sacrifice for delayed reward, um, then you... You, as you, you know, that's a lot of time spent being unhappy. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think that um, the 
and it, it has to do with the nature also of what you do, all right? So if doing bicep curls, like muscle isolation drills, makes you happy in the process, then it's great. But if it doesn't, man, maybe you want to question the modality, how you train, and even not only the modality, which is what's your strategy to get to a certain goal, but even maybe you, you may question the goal itself. Right. And I'm not saying that the... the the expectation of looking good or better physically is not um, legit in some ways. I mean, of course, it's a, it's even a primal thing, you know. The, the better you look, uh, the more attractive you are, uh, it's good. But if you only focus on that, finally focus on that, and only do some types of exercises that feel like a chore and they're boring to you with that sole expectation in mind then you're really missing on something huge which is the joy of movement the freedom of movement the the energy that that movement brings as you do it um and and that's huge that's a huge uh huge part of, of people's potential reward um for exercising but also motivation for whatever you call it, exercising, moving, you know, training, um, be happy in the process right away and, uh, and you'll see it'll change your world. Yeah. So yesterday evening, a friend of mine and I, we went for a free run, kind of like parkour thing. We went and I'm, I'm, I'm crummy at parkour, but nonetheless, I still try to play with it. And we went and there's like these rocks, this talus field, and we were crawling around through it, like kind of like all our all fours on all the rocks and trying to, to scramble through as fast as we can and as like articulately and beautifully as we could as possible. And then we went to a park and we're jumping off of different stuff and rolling and you know, so to me that's like so important because it translates to oh my god, you know, the the the, the building's on fire, we gotta get out of here. Like I will I'm confident. I'm going to be able to move. You know, there's a lion in the yard. We got to go. You know, it's like actually things that might relate to it. at some point in your life, you got to get in a street fight. You have to, you want to be a good lover, whatever. It actually relates to that. I'm curious for people to kind of like take away the potential nebulousness of, you know, natural movement. Like where does a person get started with this that they don't necessarily want to jump off of a roof? <laughs> Well, that's what, you know, there's a difference between uh, um, the end results. Um, for instance, you were <clears throat> mentioning specifically that what I would call physical competency and preparedness for the real world, right? That's actually the number one. That's really the core um, of the, the MoveNet philosophy is that it, it equips you with the skills and the physical and mental preparedness that you need to respond to situations of life that require, a, indeed, a, a competent, an effective and efficient physical response. Uh, so just to have that in mind is a great motivation. Uh, I like to put it this way. Um, the best way to learn to, to never be helpless, to never find yourself physically helpless, is to learn to become physically helpful. Awesome. So, for people to have, for whoever is seeking a meaningful reason to train, to exercise, think of it this way. Could you not only help yourself, but help others potentially in case of a situation where you have to respond physically? 
or are you going to be helpless? Because if all, all you do is uh, nothing or exercise, it's for, you know, toning your abs and making, you know, growing big guns and stuff like that, it's very likely that you will not be competent. Right. You, you may right. not be better off than somebody who actually does nothing. Right. Uh, because uh, th this type of exercise has no, does not transfer much, if at all, in real life situations. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's number one. Having a good uh, drive, like a meaningful drive for, for, what, for the reason why you're doing what you do. Yeah. Um, and then, and then the, the question was more specifically, tell me again, what was uh, more specifically? How does, a per, how does a person to take away all the, the mystery around what is expressive movement or what is natural movement? Like where does a person oh, get started that's working yeah. in an office? Well, okay, yeah. Well, it's very similar to, uh, you know, you mentioned learning, uh, playing the guitar. Well, you don't, you don't learn to play the guitar by right away trying to play a whole tune. That would be a catastrophe. Well, no, you learn note by note. So you don't, uh, in movement, you don't isolate muscles, but you may isolate movement patterns. So if you want to learn, say, a broad jump, you want to learn, ultimately, you want to be able to, to, to jump from a boulder to another boulder, and there's a wide gap, and you start standing, and you have to land on that smaller rock, and you can't afford to be off balance because if you are, you really fall off a cliff or something like you fall in the river, right? So that is, that's a complex movement that is challenging and that is risky and that's potentially dangerous in a wild environment, okay? You don't learn to do that competently, efficiently and safely enough by just go ahead you know, get yourself lost in nature and, and try crazy things because that would be a jackass. That would be being a, a tall jackass. And you might just, you know, hurt yourself really bad in the process. Right. Okay. So you learn to land first. And you learn, you know, because that's the most important part of a landing, of, of a jump. Yeah. To land, learn to land on both feet and learn to do that on the floor, at floor ground level. Then you learn the actual jumping pattern, which is the bro jump. And there are plenty of other jumping techniques, but let's take that one as an example. And you do that on a short distance, and same thing, floor level, ground level. And then you look at the aspect of your movement, you know, that have to do with not only effect effectiveness, for instance, anybody can jump at least, you know, one foot, two feet, three feet forward. But then you can immediately identify the person who's skilled and trained and, and efficient at jumping and the person who's not. Right. Right? Yeah. So the person who's, who's not trained is going to right away display a number of inefficiencies. That can include uh, landing super heavy uh, with the, the knees caving in, uh, rounded back, arms are completely off, off sequence, off balance, they go all over the place. Then upon landing, the person has to step backward or forward because they're off balance, etc., etc., etc. And you know maybe they're going to be all you know they're going to be stiff all over or, or overly relaxed. So again, there's going to be a number of inefficiencies that a trainer or you know a skilled 
athlete will be able to identify right away, but the uninitiated, the person who doesn't know, just sees a jump but doesn't see the value of it or you know what's going what's going okay, what's okay and what's not okay with a jump. All right. So you need to remove all these inefficiencies. You need to learn efficiency, you know, at this ground level um, beginning. And then when you got that, when you have established that foundation of technique, movement is not only effective, it has become efficient. Now you are going to start playing with intensity, for instance, wider distance, and then complexity, landing on a more challenging surface, yeah. more narrow, maybe uneven, uh, maybe uh, you know, incline or decline, maybe slippery. And then you're going to start to elevate the surfaces and jump over an actual gap that actually justifies the jump. Because when you practice your jumps at floor level, well, you could as well just step forward and, and get to that point, right? Right. So... Uh, ultimately, you you start to deal with an environment that is more uh, complex, potentially more dangerous, but that's on the basis that you have a very efficient movement, and then you are challenging that efficiency and that performance at a higher level of environmental complexity. Does that make sense? Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, I think it, you know, it's like oh, you have to be up. patient. You have to be patient, my friend. You have to be patient. You have to be patient because you have to lay down that foundation of technique and efficiency before you play with intensity, volume, uh, variability, uh, complexity, and then you can go outside, go in the wild, just be free and be super adaptable and just without knowing the environment, you just go, you move through um, and and then you're free. But there's a learning curve. It doesn't happen overnight just because you've decided that you, you're really fed up being a zoo human and you want to be a wild human and it's got to happen right now. Well, sorry, but probably you've been physically inactive for years or active physically in only some specific ways, but not through natural movements. And you need to, you need to just learn or relearn, uh, you know, you need to develop maybe skills that were never developed in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. You know, it's like we, we, we end up almost like isolating ourselves or separate, separating, segregating ourselves from these people that we see on YouTube jumping across buildings or doing, you know, it doesn't need to be that. But doing something that we find to be really amazing, I think oftentimes it can be so intimidating for people because they have no idea where to start. You know, they look at that and they're like, oh, that guy's just genetically inclined to do that. It's not that. It's that he started with a very, very simple foundation and added a layer and added a layer and added a layer. And now you're looking at a person that's 6,000 layers deep and you're 25 layers deep and you're saying, oh, I could never do that. You just need to work on your 26th layer instead of shooting immediately for the big jump. You know, I think oftentimes it can just be intimidating for people and it doesn't feel good. One of the things you'd mentioned was zoo humans or zoomans. You know, it's like, I think the fact of the matter is, is we, we are living in a zoo. As human beings, you know, this is not a natural environment. It's not natural to be able to just sit down all day long and be fed and then go to sleep and then sit down all long and your work is actually to sit 
for eight hours a day. That's completely unnatural. It is a zoo. I think what we need to do is we need to optimize our zoo. You know, and one of the things that's, that's pretty interesting is just like we look at wolves, you know, Canis lupus, the gray wolf. That's where all of our dogs came from. You know, so we look at the wolf, you know, hunting in nature. It's just like, oh, it's amazing. You know, it's so incredible to watch a wolf. You know, and now we have bulldogs that like can't breathe properly because their faces are all smushed in. Like, how did that happen? You know, like, I'm curious your perspective. Like, where are we at in the animal kingdom in the, in the uh, you know, our species? Are we at like bulldog chihuahua realm or like Labradors? Or what, <laughs> what do you see as humans? I use the term chihuahuas. <laughs> so, uh, we are to our ancestors um, what the chihuahua is to the wolf. Right. Since all, all, dogs, uh, all dogs come originally from the wolf. Uh, or, so we have turned the wolves into uh, pets and then we've like, genet genetically modified them. Uh, but we are doing that to ourselves. And um, we don't necessarily need a, a lab uh, and uh, to do to you know to modify our DNA and our epigenetics, we just need to um, behave differently. Movement is a behavior, so a lifestyle is a behavior. Um, when a lifestyle lacks movement and not only lacks frequency of movement or volume of movement overall, but also variety of movement. And also a variety of environments where the movement is done, and variety of situations where movement is done, uh, then there is an impoverishment in our, um, you know, our behavior, and therefore uh, there is an impoverishment also in our epigenetics, which is the way our cells, our genes express. So the way we look the way we feel and of course also the way we perform is not remotely close to what uh, you know humans you know could be if um, they were living more naturally and, and having a more natural behavior including again natural movement outside whenever possible in nature um, so I don't know if we need to optimize the zoo, and by the way, the zoo is it's a metaphor. Unfortunately, it's a very realistic one. We could also talk about the farm. It's like if we are farming ourselves, um, humans exploding other humans. Yeah. Uh, so, if we if we talk about optimizing this this environment, this artificial uh, and detrimental environment, then we're talking about actually not improving our lives, but improving how it alters in, in a bad way our lives, you know? So we want to optimize ourselves. We want, I like to say, we want to empower or re-empower our human nature. Yeah. Um, because a lot of our circumstances today what we see as being normal, you know, that normalcy is a silent killer. Yes. And uh, we need to first realize that before we, we look at a strategy, uh, you know, a variety of lifestyle choices and behaviors to counter that and to 
minimize the, the, the negative aspects of it and, and ultimately and, and, and hopefully to actually fully be, um, be away from that. Yeah. You know, like not let ourselves be trapped by that. But it, it's a long, long road for most people. Because the number one thing that you need to do is to come to that realization that normalcy is questionable and normalcy is actually detrimental to us physically and mentally. Therefore, we absolutely need to devise these strategies. And, you know, that's what I've been doing at a personal level for uh, well, all my life, uh, all my adult life. Uh, and then uh, that's also what I've been doing through MoveNat. It's a, it's a philosophy, it's a practice, it's a method, it's a program, whatever you call it. But it's about giving people the tools in terms of how they, you know, how they think of things and, and how they practice their own body, their own movement, their own lifestyle. So that, you know, it benefits them. Awesome. I love that you say normalcy is a, is a silent killer. You know, it's one of the things that I, I say sometimes, I don't know who started, who did this quote first, but um, the worst thing that can happen to you is nothing at all. You know, so I think that it's really important that like we spice our freaking lives up, man. Like sitting down for nine hours a day in front of a computer, unless it really genuinely feeds your soul, there's probably a couple people out there like, I really, really love it. You know, but I think oftentimes we trick ourselves. You know, like I talk to some people and I can just see they're dead in the eyes. And maybe this is just all me projecting and I'm totally false. But from my perspective, I'm like, I feel like I'm looking at, you know, the Chihuahua, you know, and it's like, and they're like, yeah, you know, I really like my job because, you know, it provides security. Are you going to say something? Aaron, you are, <clears throat> you're young and you're healthy, you're healthy physically, you're healthy mentally, you're healthy spiritually. And uh, you have a memory uh, within you the memory of uh, of nature, of freedom, the memory uh, that's a universal memory of all human beings, which which is that you know we used to all be you know be empowered to be free, yeah. uh, to be hunter gatherers, and and and, and uh, what you look at you know around you, especially people and their levels of energy, their levels of happiness in life, their levels of health. Right. Well, you can see right. that overall these levels are really low. And that's not a judgment. It's just an observation that any healthy person can do. Right. And then you're like, wait a minute. I'm, I, I'm not heading that way. I'm going to find ways. I'm going to find ways to stay away from that and, and maintain my higher levels of energy, of creativity, of happiness, of freedom. Right. As much as I can, as long as I can. Right. And you're looking at you're trying to understand the reasons that lead people to lose that that beautiful attitude, that beautiful approach to life. Right. Number one, what causes the problem? What are the causes of the problem? And there are multiple. And then, and conversely, what are the, the, the strategy and the, the, the choices that you could make and that you could make to avoid that, right? So I'm pretty sure that a lot of people around you tell you, well, okay, you're, how old are you? In your early 20s. Late 20s. And people, you know, uh, late 20s. All right, look, looking good. And then people tell you, well, wait a moment. Wait, so you'll see when you'll be my age. You'll see when you're 20, uh, I mean, uh, 20 years later, when you're 40, 50. Right. Uh, and um, you know what? This, I've been there. I was your age. 
I was 18, 19, and I was already on that path yeah. of self-empowerment, of healthy lifestyle. I didn't know as much as I know now, but I had that confidence that I would find ways to stay, you know, to always be healthy, fit, uh, free, creative. Yeah. And, and uh, you know what? Um, that's 20 years later, 25 years later now. And, well, pretty happy with my choices because um, I did not compromise. Right. I did not buy what they told me. I, I did not buy that. I, I, I wasn't... I never was sold to that idea. I, I never believed in it. I was like, nope. Yeah. You are self-defeated. You have accepted a certain fate that is a conventional, you know, normal fate, yeah. but that's not going to be mine because I make a different choice. Yeah. And that choice, you have that main choice, right? And then you have a, a multitude of sub-choices, which are the sub-choices you make every day you know, in relation to what you eat, how you think, how you move or not move, where you decide to live, who do you decide to hang out with, because every, all of that participates to uplifting you, keeping your energy levels high, or yeah. shrinking who you are, shrinking your levels of, of, of energy, right. making you less confident, making, making you start doubting about what you do and you know is it worth it and stuff like that so you need to uh surround yourself with people who are on the same path as much as possible and of course uh you know doing your podcast and 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 interviewing people who have a passion who have some knowledge you have some good insights for you and for whoever is listening you know that's that's what it is about you know I like to to put it this way: you become, you be, you are half inspiring already when you when you are inspired yourself. Yeah. So, uh, keep being inspired, and and then you become inspiring yourself because you have that energy, you have that joy, you have that confidence, you have that will, you have that commitment. This is a rare value in today's world of. Everybody, everybody's depressed. High right. percentage, yeah. Yeah, uh, I was talking with, I love everything you just said, by the way. And uh, I was talking with Danny Dreyers, the founder of Chi Running recently. And um, one of the things that he had mentioned is, you know, it's like, we, I think with modern science, we feel like we're so advanced, you know, and it's like, we, you know, but, you know, from his perspective and my perspective and probably your perspective, we are way behind because science is a flashlight. You know, when you shine that flashlight down, you see it's like, oh, great, you're running outside and you're like Shinrin Roku, you know, where, where you're going outside and you're, you know, uh, have to, or not, sorry, when Shinrin Roku is like with forest bathing, right? When you're going outside and it's like, oh, all this fantastic effects of being outside, you know, and it's like the activates your NK cells and water, you know, ionized, negative ions and all this. It's like we see these little aspects. It's like, oh, this is really great for us. But I think the multitude of what's really going on there is so, so vast, you know, and I think that being passionate, being excited to move, taking genuine pleasure out of everything that you do and just being in a natural environment, it is the fountain of youth, you know, and I expect for people to say, I look like a young guy, 
when I'm 80. You know, so that's yeah, that's what my expectation. We'll see how it goes. You know, so how do people find you, Erwin? I think your work is great. I would suggest anyone if you're you know doing a course nearby or whatever, like go check it out. I've checked it out on YouTube. I'm looking forward to actually taking a course with you. How do people find you? Well, to find uh, to find more about MoveNet, you just go to MoveNet.com. It's M-O-V-N-A-T.com. And uh, then you can find uh, some resource there. We have a, a great Facebook group of uh, people who take part into the 60-60 Natural Movement Challenge. It's doing, you know, 60 minutes of natural movement every day for 60 days. Um, and, um, yeah, you can also find a, a locator for local uh, certified trainers, people who are certified in our system. Uh, and then we have we hold a number of workshops and you know, retreats and uh, certification if you want to learn for your self-practice or to you know learn how to teach these uh, you know this method to other people. Great, awesome. Um, we need more people like you. All right, I really appreciate what you're doing. Thank you, thank you so much for coming on, and um, I'm sure I'll see you really soon. I'm, I'm definitely we're in a very similar realm, so I'm sure I'll be seeing you soon. Well, it was a pleasure, Aaron. I loved your high energy and uh, constant smile and passion, and so we need more people like you. Awesome. And you know, we need more people who simply make the choice of self empowerment. You know, health, healthy lifestyle. You know, freedom, happiness. You know, as opposed to, ah, that's the way it is, you can't change it, you can't, well, you may not change the world, but you may change your life radically. So, just, you know, get started. Align Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I greatly appreciate your comments and your shares in iTunes. They determine the ranking and the visibility of the show, and they make me smile. So, I look forward to reading those guys. Be sure to check out the website, aligntherapy.com. That's A L I G N therapy.com. On there, you can find my blog, you can find this podcast, more information about the topics and the, and the uh, guests that we've had on the show. You can find hundreds of absolutely free instructional videos on self-care, functional movement, how to get strong, how to get fast, how to get exactly what you want out of your body. You can check out the online coaching where we work, how, work out how to optimize your movement practice so that you can live optimally and pain-free for the rest of your life. As well, be sure to check out the self-care kit where it is as small enough to fit underneath the seat in your car and it's like a physical therapist and a massage therapist all wrapped up into one package. I know you guys are going to love the website. I know you guys are going to get a lot of value out of it. And I look forward to hearing your comments. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening. And remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Align Podcast.